going on, Coastal Community Church? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining with us today as we are finishing up a series we're calling The GOAT, The Greatest of All Time. It's an acronym, and, and we've been talking about Jesus over the last couple of weeks. And before we dive into today, can you guys help me welcome everybody that's watching at our Lighthouse Point location, everybody that's watching online, man. We love you guys. We're so glad you're, you're joining with us, no matter what platform or aspect you're, you're at church with us today. Man, I'm, I'm pumped for today. Uh, before we dive into today's message, I wanna let you know uh, that we have something really big coming up. It's something that we do every year as a church, and it is our legacy offering that is coming up December 3rd. It's a Sunday, and uh, it's a big deal for us as a church because this is the one time of the year that we ask you to pray and ask God about how He'd want you to be a part of helping push the vision forward of Coastal Community Church, particularly in 2024. And I can't wait for next weekend because next weekend I'm gonna share the vision of what I believe that God wants us to expand in, where he wants us to go as a church next year and how you can participate and how you can be involved. And so make sure you're at church next week and over the next couple of weeks as we get ready to see God move through us in a powerful way to make an impact next year. How many of you all know that you don't have to wait till another day to make an impact? Like you can start to make an impact right here. Like you don't have to wait till 2024 to make an impact. You can start making an impact today. And so we want to make an impact in the future today. And so this is a great opportunity for us. And so be praying about that. And we'll talk more about that over the next couple of weeks. But today, everybody say today. today. Come on, say today. today. I, I, like, I'm just going to let you know, I'm here to preach today. So, so you better be ready to respond. Like the more response you have, the quicker this is gonna go. I promise you that right now. So like I, I, I came into this week and I thought, man, I've got a message in my mind. I got a message in my heart. And I went and I prepared that message. I was about 95% done with it. I turned in my notes typically on Thursday. If you notice, you don't have notes like you normally do this week, they're just lines. And that's because on Thursday, there was this internal frustration. Like, God, I, this is a great message that I've got but I don't feel like it's the message I'm supposed to deliver. And I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where you're having this wrestling match with God and you're going to do, or I, I can do the harder thing and I can go, God, what do you actually want to say to our church this weekend? What do you want to speak to your people? And, and I'm just a vessel, so, so, so I'll, I'll do whatever you want to do. And so you didn't get notes like you normally do. So I believe that God put something on my heart. And anytime I'm struggling, in that kind of season where I'm like, God, I'm not really sure what to do. I always go back to a verse that has uh, been a powerful reminder in my life of what's most important. In fact, I think it's a, it's a clarity verse. It's a directional verse. It's a transformational verse. And so I turned it in my Bible to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it's, it's actually the verse that God spoke to me when he told me to move from Bradenton to, to South Florida and plant a church called Coastal Community Church. He spoke this over my life and I remember hearing it. It says, it's simply this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. Then he says this in verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. That's, that's a word for some of us in here because some of us are worrying about tomorrow and tomorrow's gonna have enough worry, isn't it? Like, don't worry about tomorrow, just take care of today. For each day has enough trouble 
of its own. And as I was reading this verse, God, God really just began to speak to me. And, and let me define, kind of share it like this. Uh, when our son, Alexander, comes over, he's our foster son. He's been reunited with his foster or with his biological dad. And so we're kind of like glorified grandparents now. He comes over to our house. And every time that Alexander comes over to our house, he always goes, pop, pop. That's what he calls me. He's like, pop, pop. Uh, will you chase me? Will you chase me? And I'm like, really? You want me? Like, and, and you think he, he, he's like, we're going to play tag. And, 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 and so, but when he says, will you chase me? He doesn't really mean, will you chase me? What he means is that, hey, I want you to come grab me and pick me up and tickle me until I can't stop laughing. And I tell you, no, 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 pop, pop, stop it. Put me down, put me down. And then I put him down and then he takes a couple of steps away. And then he looks at me and he goes, do it again. And then what do I do? I, I run and I grab him, I pick him up and I tickle him and he, ah, you know, he's going crazy. And he's, he's like, oh, Papa, put me down, put me down, put me down. And then he walks away and he, he kind of smiley looks and he goes, do it again. And it's, <laughs> what he wants is to be held and tickled. How he thinks that that happens is it happens by me chasing him. Let me say it like this. A lot of us, we want success. We want success in our marriage. We want success in our careers. We wanna be great parents. We wanna have the ultimate marriage in life. And we think that the way that we're gonna get that is through a particular avenue in life. And we think, well, if I do this, then this will be the end result. And there's nothing wrong with wanting a great marriage and having the career and living in the neighborhood or having the golf membership or, or being the boss. Nothing wrong with any of those things. I would just submit to you that the avenue in which you get to the destination is going to be different than you think. The way that you perceive it is going to be different than the way that God actually perceives it. And I want to propose to you that the life that you want is going to come through Jesus, but it isn't going to come through the avenue that you think in your mind is how it's going to come. Because the world tells us work harder, stay later, do all these things, and all those things are good things, but they're not the correct avenue. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. Well, what are all the other things, TJ? Well, he says in the verses before that, he says, don't worry about what you're gonna wear. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat. Don't worry about where you're gonna live. Don't worry about any of those things. Like, don't worry about that kind of life. But if you'll seek me first in the kingdom of God, that stuff will get taken care of. Yeah. Like, don't worry about the job. Like, am I going to get the promotion? Do, where do I need to live? Like, what house do I need to buy? What about kids? Am I going to be a good parent? Is the marriage going to make it? Am I ever going to find a marriage partner? But, it, but if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, that is the avenue. All these other things, he promises, they will be added to our lives. In other words, God goes, if you seek me first in your life, here's what I'll do. I'll do the heavy lifting in your life. So this verse is talking about two things in particular. It's talking about our priorities, and it's talking about our patterns. 
He's saying, hey, listen, it's about priority. It's about seeking first. It gives us the order of things in our lives. It says, don't seek God second. Don't seek God fifth. Don't put God after your children. Don't put God after your career. Don't put God after your marriage. No, no, no. God wants to be first in your life. He goes, I want to be the priority. So seek my kingdom first. But he isn't just talking about priority. He's also talking about pattern. So he's saying each day, what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose to seek God first. I'm going to make it the pattern of my life. When hard things come, I'm going to seek God. When good days come, I'm going to seek God. When my wife is a pain in the rear, I'm going to seek God. When, when things are going great, I'm going to seek God. When I know what to do, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to have a pattern in my life where day by day, day after day, I'm going to seek God because it's my priority and it's my pattern. Somebody say pattern. pattern. Then there's another text that illustrates this really well, this idea of Seek first the kingdom of God. And I think it gives us some insight into the pattern. It comes out of John chapter 15. It says this. It says, I am the vine. And Jesus right here is establishing who people are. And he's using this metaphor of, he's going, listen, listen, I am the vine. I'm the one that has the roots in the ground. Like I am the source of everything that you need in your life. And he says, and my father is the gardener. So what that means is that Jesus is the vine and God is the one that's tending to the vine. Like God is the one that's taking care of the vine. It says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me. Somebody say remain. Then he gives you this promise, as I remain in you. And then he tells us this again, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. In other words, the Christian life isn't hard to do. It's impossible to do without God. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you and then remain in me and you will bear much fruit. The life you want is the fruit of your life. Let's be honest. The life we want is the fruit. What we're really desiring is Fruit. The peace that you want in your life, it's fruit. The success you want in your life, it's fruit. That, that, that impact that you want to have with your life, that's the fruit. And Jesus says, hey, I want you to have that too. You got to understand, like God wants you to live a fruitful life. He's just saying it's not going to come through the avenue that you think it is going to come through. He's going, I'm going to give you an avenue to a fruitful life that you really want. But the way that you're going to get to that fruitful life isn't through the way that you think it's going to come through remaining in me. Now let's unpack this a little bit because he said, he's already said, you are made clean 
by, because of the words that I've spoken to you. And you need to understand this up front. This is not a salvation issue. This is a fruit issue. He says, he says the words that I've spoken to you, you're clean because of that. He, he says, your salvation, your salvation is good because it's not based on anything you can do. Your salvation isn't based on how hard you can work, how many connect groups you attend, how much you give. You can't earn your salvation. It is a free gift from the Father. So because of what I've already done on the cross of Calvary, you can just accept that and receive that. There's nothing you can do to earn that in your life. So you are clean. Like you don't have to jump through hoops. You're not a person on the voice hoping that that God hits his button and turns around and goes, you're on my team. No, 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 you're already on God's team. He's already accepted you. You're already a part of it. He loves you enough not to leave you the same way, but he says you're accepted right where you are. That's the grace of God. But what he's talking about here in this passage is he's talking about fruit. This is about the evidence of are you plugged into the vine? And listen, church, it's not unreasonable for God to expect fruit out of you. It's not unreasonable of God to expect some evidence that you are connected to the vine. That's why he says earlier, if the branch doesn't bear fruit, I cut it off the vine. Why? Because he realizes that there is some sort of disease or there is something that is disconnecting it from the nutrients that the vine is providing that is blocking that from it having growth and product, producing, producing in life. But if you're connected, you say you're a follower, you say you're a disciple, there will be evidence of that in your life. Not perfection, but there will be evidence. Like that's not unreasonable of God. Like if you say, hey, I'm a McCormick, there will be evidence of a McCormick in your life because there are certain values that we live out in our house. Man, we are life-giving. We are generous. Like we love people and we love God and we show it with our life. And so if you call yourself a McCormick, these things should be evident in your life. And God's going, if you call yourself a Christ follower, there should be some fruit that actually tells us that that's who you are. And he's going, the way that you produce fruit is not new, but it's actually the same. It's this idea of remain. And the word remain means to continue in. In other words, I'm gonna keep doing the same in my life. Like I'm gonna keep doing the same things consistently in my life. And I know so many of you are like, but TJ, I need a new, I need a fresh, I need a, 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 an all new thing to be happening. No, 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 no. When you do the right things, the same is to your advantage. Think about the athlete that goes to the gym day after day after day after day that it's consistent, consistent, consistent. What happens? They're the ones that we see on TV now. You think about the NBA player that shoots a thousand three-pointers every single day. It's the same shot, same position, same thing every single day. It's the consistency that compounds in your life that produces the fruit. And some of us are missing what God wants to do in our life because we do the same for three days. We go, oh, read your Bible and you read it for three days and you go, well, I'm not getting anything out of this. So we shut it and we put it on the coffee table and we wonder why our lives are never any different. Yeah. Well, there's, 
You can't even produce a root in three days, let alone grow some fruit. And we're frustrated and we're angry with God because we, 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 I tried and it wasn't easy. Like, church, we give up so easy. So easy. Like, I think about Joshua leading the children of Israel out of the desert and into the promised land. And as they, he gets a word from God, Joshua, you, you're going to, the first city, Jericho, here's what I need you to do. I need you to gather the people. I need you to march around the city quiet for six days. Israel, come on, come on, gather around, gather around, gather around. Here's the battle plan, guys. We're going to go for a walk. Grab your Fitbit. <laughs> and don't talk. Let's go. All right, guys, meet me here tomorrow. I'm sure they were like, what, what are we doing? We're doing the same. What are we doing tomorrow? We're going to do the same. And some of us, we get so frustrated because it's not fast enough. And we struggle because we think, well, I'm just wasting time here. Like, I don't think Joshua thought that he was wasting time because, because, like, a lot of us go, I need this now, I need this tomorrow, I need this next, like, I need this now. No, no, no. Time is to your advantage when you're doing the same. Time is not your disadvantage when you're doing the same. Think about it. If you go in and you work out every single day, every single day that you show up and you work out, what happens? You get stronger, you get fitter, you get in better shape. Every day that you stop working out, what do you do? You're, you're less strong. You're less in shape. You got bigger heart issues. Listen, every day that we show up and we do the same thing with God when we're consistent with the things of God, you know what happens? You get stronger in God, you get deeper in God, you get more intimacy with God, you receive the power of God, you have the presence of God in your life, the more fruitfulness will start to come into your life, but it takes some time because you gotta remain in Him. Like, here's what I want you to get. Your potential is in your patterns. If you could see your patterns, you'd be able to see exactly what your life is going to look like. But most of us, we can't see our patterns. And then we're like, well, why is my life not getting any different? And my question for you would be, let's take a step back and go, what are the patterns of my life? 
Like, why am I not receiving what God wants to do in my life? And maybe it's because we're not utilizing the patterns that Jesus actually lived. And Jesus lived some patterns consistently over and over and over again in his life. The same thing day after day after day and a little bit of growth. Day after day after day and a little bit more growth. Day after day after day, all of a sudden there's some fruit. Day after day after day and all of a sudden there's, there's a harvest. He was consistent. And some of us are not very consistent in the patterns of my life, in our, of our lives. And we're wondering why we're not getting the right results. So what are some of the patterns of our life that we needed to develop to have good fruit? How about this? How about remain in prayer? How about we just remain in prayer? Like this is not rocket science. Most of life isn't. The difference between super successful people and everybody else is they're just willing to do what everybody else isn't willing to do it. And they're willing to do it every single day. They're willing to get up and grow every day. They're willing to invest every day. They're willing to make the time every day. And most people aren't. You want fruitfulness in your life? You have got to remain. You've got to remain in prayer. Prayer is not our last result. It's our first response in life. Like, why do, why do we need to remain in prayer? Because I want to be connected to the Father. If I want to know the direction of my life, I better have the compass that's directing my life. He's my direction. We should be praying all the time. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter four, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, let your request be made known to God. And here's what happens. As we make prayer a primary focus that we stay in, in prayer and we remain in it, what God promises is that we'll experience peace in our life. And listen, it doesn't have to be eloquent words and you don't have to have a degree in theology. You just show up and be honest with God. God, this day sucks. Give me some different perspective. Like some of y'all should write that prayer down. It's a prayer I pray all the time. God, change my wife, but show me how I'm broken too. Usually he just shows the second part. <laughs> How about this? Remain in his word. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a lamp. It's a light on my path. What happens? I get direction. I get inspiration. I get correction. How do I get it? I get it from remaining in the word of God. So many people come up to me and go, TJ, I want to hear God's voice. Open this up and read it out loud. He's speaking. Right here. He's already spoken. But TJ, but I, I, didn't, I didn't get any revelation. I didn't, it like didn't transform my life. It wasn't life changing when I read it that one day. Okay. Like I'm getting ready to go out to lunch with some friends to a restaurant called Cote down in Miami. I don't know if you've ever heard of this restaurant. It's like a Michelin starred restaurant that some friends invited us to. And like, I know that this meal is gonna be one of the best meals of my life, but here's the deal. Like it isn't any less important than the meal I ate two weeks ago that I can't remember. 
Why? Because I just need to show up and eat because it's going to sustain me. It's going to give me what I need to go on to the next day. And most of the time we don't get in God's word because we don't think, well, it's not going to give me some revelation that's going to change my life. No, no, no. But it's going to sustain your life today. That conversation that you don't know about, his word is going to prepare you for it. But you didn't get in it, so you weren't prepared. That's why you got all jacked up and like this on them. Because you didn't allow his word to search you and change you and transform you. How about this? Remain in worship. And listen, worship isn't just singing. Singing is part of worship. But how about, how about your work is your worship? Oh, now a lot of amens right there. What does that mean? That means when you show up to work, you do it as unto the Lord. Which means you bring your best. You want to know why you're not getting a raise? Because you're not using your work as worship. And if you showed up and you worshiped at work by bringing your L every single day, they might take notice of you finally and realize, man, they're the cream of the crop. They've risen to the top. But they're not because you're not worshiping there. Because we just want new. We want flashy. We think we, if I just get this one, if I just get this one thing, TJ, if I just get this one thing, it will change everything. No, 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 no. We need to remain. Maybe you don't need some new things in your life. Maybe you just need some basic things. And I know we bash the basics because, oh, that's, that's, that's not deep. No, no, no. Deep, deep is can you do the basic things? consistently that's deep and jesus is going man can you do the same because here's what jesus knew consistency compounds over time somebody shout remain, remain. so we're going to remain because fruitfulness is found in faithfulness And everybody wants fruitfulness. But here's what I've learned. Number one, three things for you real quick. You have to fall in love with faithfulness, not fruitfulness. I'm just telling you, you have got to fall in love with faithfulness, not fruitfulness. You can't fall in love with the reward. You have to fall in love with the routine. If you fall in love with the reward, I want the fruit, I want the reward, I want the peace, I want the miracle, I want the blessing, I want the prosperity, I want that. Eventually, what the routine is will become monotonous. And here's what I know about monotony, we all quit it. So we can't fall in love with the reward, we have to fall in love with the routine because if you fall in love with the reward, you will always fall off of the routine. If you don't fall in love with faithfulness, you will struggle. You'll constantly be like, God, I just want that thing. I need that thing. Will you answer this prayer? I just want what I'm seeking. But when I get the reward, I'm just always looking at what is next. And you have to be, get okay with being the person that goes, you know what? I'm just gonna get up at 4 a.m. every day and 
I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I'm going to get in God's word, not so that he can give me something, but just so I can get some more of God. I don't want more things from God. I just want God in my life because the real reward isn't the fruit of what he can give you. The real reward is you're going to abide in the vine. The reward is that you have a relationship with the creator of the universe who loved you enough to give you the greatest gift of your life. And so many of us were after the reward and we forgot about the reward giver. And we wonder why we're not satisfied in life. Like the greatest reward isn't what God gives me. It's just God. I'm thankful for the gifts that he gives to me. But they never trump the giver. And if he never gives me another thing again, I'm going to love him the same. And I'm going to remain in him the same. Because it's not about the fruitfulness. It's about the faithfulness. Number two. I think a lot of us struggle because we don't understand the season. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I and you, you will bear much fruit. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say you would bear fruit year-round. Some of us are looking at every season of our life and expecting it to be a fruit-bearing season. The only problem with that is if you go to this analogy... Or if you go to, I guess it's called horticulture. These vines don't bear fruit in every season. They bear fruit in a season. In fact, I did some research. I've been obsessed with this idea of plants and vines and how God nourishes and, and the analogy of it. And I actually found nine stages to fruit bearing when it comes to, when it comes to these. And they're going to put them up on the screen behind us. There's the bleeding season, which is actually the renewal season. There's the budding season where you're starting to see some new growth. There's green shoots that are actually coming out of that growth. Then all of a sudden it begins to flower. All of a sudden you see a berry where they're starting, you're oh, going, oh my gosh, there's the fruit. And then there's the veraison, which is actually where that berry begins to ripen. Then it matures. And then you actually get the harvest, which is this season we all want. And it's our favorite season. But right after harvest season is this season called dormancy. Which in other words, it means it looks dead. And some of us were frustrated because we want every season to be the harvest season. And I found in my life of following Jesus that there are some seasons where I just came out of hell and what I need is I need a season of renewal in my life right then. Like, I don't need a harvest. I couldn't handle a harvest. I need God to restore my soul because I just fought tooth and nail to kick the crap out of hell. Yeah. Amen. Like, there are some seasons where I need them to cut back some things. 
And some of us were frustrated at God. We're going, God, where is my harvest? When God's going, no, no, this is not a harvest season. This is a character building season for you. Because if I gave you the harvest, it would ruin your character right now. So let's build your character and we'll eventually get to a harvest season. On the flip side, some of you have gotten stuck in some seasons. Like, like you went into dormancy and you just stayed there. And God's like, listen, it's not a season of dormancy anymore. It's a season of new growth. It's a season of breakthrough for you. It's a season of healing for you. It's a season of everything. It's immeasurably more than all you could ask, think, or imagine. But don't quit in the season that you're in, whether it's renewal or dormancy. Like it doesn't matter. The response needs to be the same. I'm going to remain. Then number three, this is so important. The process is the same, but the duration is based on the gardener. Like the nine stages are always going to be there. But the duration you stay in each of those seasons is based on the gardener and what he's trying to do with the fruits in your life. See, God knows what he's trying to do in your life and what kind of fruit he's trying to produce. And different fruit takes different times. Box wine. Come on, I know you all, all of you all drink it. I see you walking out of Publix with it. <laughs> Trying to hide it under there like, oh, I don't got another. Hey, Pastor TJ. <laughs> What's that? Oh, it's just, just a box. Box wine, they're, they're pushing that through as fast as they can. Why? Because they're not looking for quality. They're looking for quantity. Here's the thing about our God. Our God isn't looking for quantity. He's looking for quality. He isn't settling for something cheap, something common. He's going, man, I've created you. You're a unique. You're a one of a kind, which means that, that the wine you go and find at Bassers, come on, Parkland people. I know I see you walking out of there too. It's a little bit more expensive. Why? Because it was it's a little bit more of a process. So he determines the season. But what does that mean for us? It means that no matter what season of it, it is, I, you go, I'm just going to keep praying. I'm going to keep getting in his word. I'm going to keep seeking after his face. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep serving. Why? Because I'm going to remain in the vine because the vine is where my source is. The vine is where my power is. The vine is the place where I'm going to remain. And I don't get to determine the growth. That's what God does. Paul said, I planted in Apollos water, but who caused it to grow? God caused it to grow. God's going to cause me to grow. Let me give you one more thought here real quick. And this is a little bit outside the text, but you just got to stay with me because I think it's important. Because when the grapes come off the vine, what happens to the grapes? They get crushed. Some of you right now, you feel like you're in a crushing season. You don't feel dormant. 
you don't feel like you're in a blooming season, you feel like you are being crushed. There's this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is, it says he's praying fervently. It means to pray with passion or vigor or zeal. And he's praying so hard that literal blood is coming out of his sweat glands. And he's praying. And as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's actually in this entire olive grove. We got the opportunity to be in Israel and and see this very place. And what was interesting is as they were talking about the olives that were there, there are these trees that are thousands of years old, like literally that were there when Jesus was praying. And they were telling us that, that the olives are actually rock hard on the tree, like they're unedible, they're terrible until August, September, when the spring rain comes. And when the spring rain comes, all of a sudden, that, that olive that is hard as a rock, all of a sudden becomes soft and, and moist. And what they do is they pick it immediately. And as soon as they pick it, what they do? They go and they crush the olive because the value in the olive isn't the olive itself, it's the oil that's within it. And the purpose of the grape isn't just the grape, it's the juice that comes out of it. And it's in this season where where what got pressed out of you begins to bless some other people, where it begins to make a difference in other people's lives. Because what God is doing through you for your fruitfulness isn't just so you can consume it all, it's actually so you can be a blessing in the world. And God is here to tell some people today that are in a crushing season, no matter how crushed you may feel, it will not kill you in this season. No matter how pressed down you may feel. God is going to raise you up if you don't give up in this season, but you remain in Him. Remain. So it isn't about the new church. It's about the same. It's about remaining. It's about seeking first the kingdom of God his righteousness is about making him your priority and your pattern. And the goal isn't so that we can have fruit. The goal is that we fall more in love with God. The byproduct of loving God is that we bear much fruit. It's not the goal. It's the byproduct. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, here's what I know. There's some people out there today that are going, TJ, that's great that God wants me to bear much fruit, but I, I am getting pressed. I am getting crushed. And I don't know that I'm connected to God at all. In fact, I feel like I'm out here on my own when he, I've never abided in, or maybe I abided in a long time ago, but I broke away. The Bible talks about our sin separates us from God. It creates a barrier, creates a division. But here's the amazing thing about God. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, like while we were still in the middle of our mess, that God so loved us that he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins so that none of us would perish, but that we could all experience eternal life. That's a life connected to God. It's allowing him to be the vine and us to be the branches. And maybe you've never been connected 
So God, it begins very simply by believing in your heart that Jesus came to this earth and died a death that you and I deserved and rose again three days later so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Accepting that into your life and choosing to give up control so God can take over. And maybe you're out there today and you need to make that decision for the first time or the first time in a long time. Starts with a simple prayer. If that's you, on the count of three, if you just slip your hand up, I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip your hand up. Slip it up high. There's no shame. Yes, ma'am, I see you right there. Thank you. Who else? Who else? Up top, yeah. I see you up there. Thank you. Yes, I see you. I see you. Thank you. I see you guys over there. Thank you. Who else? If you'll pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, thank you for loving me right where I am. That while I'm a sinner, you gave the greatest gift, the gift of your son, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present, and secure my future. Come into my heart and take over my life. I surrender my will. I surrender my way. Thank you for loving me. God, I choose to seek you first all the days of my life and make you my priority and my pattern. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen.